listening to The Watchers, a show where two women from opposite ends of New Jersey watch movies about... Ooh, I don't have the... I wanted to just make a weird noise and try to lead into the <laughs> earnestness of doing something completely unique, but I couldn't. Oh, no. I have... I'm too... I'm, I'm kind of glad you couldn't. I, how awful for both of us would it have yeah. been? Um, you're listening to The Watchers, a show where two women from opposite ends of New Jersey watch movies about... I can't believe you've never heard of Iron and Wine before. <laughs> do you have do you ever heard of this band called the Shins? <laughs> let, let me put my headphones on your head. Cause that's a normal thing. <laughs> she put I, I think that actually might be the most the most offensive thing about this movie. <laughs> I think that might be just you, but just, can you imagine? No. I mean, I personally would not um, put someone else's over-the-ear headphones on my own ears. I'm Andrea. Oh, I'm Jody. We watched uh, Garden State. We watched Garden State. Oh, oh, what I, a movie! I'm going to make a quick disclaimer up top. Yeah, you and I have decided we are. We both went into this trying to watch this movie with an open mind and heart. Yes, and I think for the most part we did succeed. I think so too. I think I will say flat out. I'm not going to shy away from any criticism that I have, and there is plenty, but I'm also not going to pretend like there aren't things to like about this movie. Yeah. Which seems to be, and now I feel like I'm I'm acting like I'm better than anybody else who hates this movie. We are. (laughs) But but we are. No, but, but I think that seems to be what we've all done with anything that we're ashamed that we liked when we were younger. People are just hating this movie top to bottom and i don't think that's fair i'll start with that i i have to agree i mean one of the first things i found when i was looking at um sort of the critical response then and now was the uh aptly titled vice (laughs) article it's the 10 year anniversary uh, anniversary of realizing garden state sucked so we are not going to be doing that no and i i must say I, i think that article is great i think it is yeah uh, I think it's, it's got funny. a lot of good points. I also, it Dan Ozzy wrote it, and I'm such a fan of Dan Ozzy. I love him so much. If you care about music at all, go read Sellout, even if even if that genre, even if you don't really care about, like, punk, like, rise of sort of the, like, start of what became the emo scene, kind of. Yeah. Um, if you don't, even if you don't care about any of that, that book is fantastic. But I, it is a good article, and he does make good points. And I, I just think that we're not going to. It's also that article's how old? When was that? Ten, 20, it's ten years 2015. old. Twenty fifteen. So it's, it, I also think there's. I hope that there's twenty fourteen pendu- or twenty fifteen. Yeah. So yeah. So so eight years. Mm-hmm. Um, I also works. hope that there's some pendulum swinging stuff happening where like that movie was so so loved at first, mm-hmm. and so it makes sense then because there were some things right out the gate not to love. Um, and so it makes sense then that we've got to hate it a lot before we can just kind of settle in like Garden State is okay. Yeah. And, you know, like when I read, he's got some great lines in this article. He calls him the, the uh, Zach Braff, the talking Q-tip from Scrubs. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I miss that. It's great. Um, and he talks about the triteness of the whole thing and like, you know, 
vapid privileged problems like mm-hmm. swimming and cold play and being a struggling actor like he's got <laughs> points he's got points um but i think also you're right about the fact that like the f- the embarrassment of how much so many of us really really loved this movie and how much it meant to some of us like it looks it kind of feels like reading your old journals and being like oh god like should I burn this or am I gonna feel differently in 20 years when I read this am I gonna like not hate myself as much exactly he has a line in here about he just it's just he just mentions like putting it in your ps2 which is yeah so specific and it's so like I had sitting on top of my ps2 oh boy this is this is really like garden state and donnie darko the dvds because i just like they were my two where it like if i was doing anything in my room where i wasn't listening to music i was watching one of those i think it's also what was i I was 19 in 2005 like so i was i mean this movie i was depressed like i was a mentally ill 19 year old Mm -hmm. in new jersey when this movie came out like i was who loved scrubs like i was yeah, There's, you were the target audience. There was no hope for me with this movie. Yeah. I also just have to point out that that Vice article um, links to a YouTube clip of the scene where she's introducing him to the shins. In... Oh, okay, that's br- brutal. Go ahead. But wait for it. Um, the clip, I don't know who posted the clip because it's not anything like a some official site mm-hmm. but it's in it's mistitled garden state hyphen the shits scene <laughs> <laughs> instead of the shins <laughs> and i just am like <laughs> you really like that is an a hard oh t- it's dan ozzy who posted it <laughs> is he doing a joke i think maybe i don't know but that's really funny. That is really. That's. It's also fun. I was thinking about this whole time what this movie would be like cut to a different soundtrack. Wait, wait, wait. Hold on. Hold on. I just have to see if this is the actual scene or if it's something that's been doctored. If it's like fart sounds, I'm going to laugh and I'm going to I know. Mad that's about what I'm wondering. It. Yep. That's what oh, it no. is. Dan Ozzy. <laughs> That's what it is. It's Dan Ozzy was. Oh, no. I dreaded my heart of being like, if that's what that is, I'm going to think it's funny and I'm going to feel bad about it. <laughs> I truly just. The, that was the, a like, journey that I just went on. The like, the, the like levels of emotion that I just felt at knowing what was coming, hoping this it wasn't. A journey. Being uh, Dan Ozzy. Oh gosh wow jody your pure heart that you thought that was a typo i did well i did until i saw who posted it right and of course yeah vice wouldn't probably let him like post a random link that had a misspelling in the title <laughs> but oh no, my god my goodness okay, yeah wow that was that was an adventure yeah well when i was thinking about this movie being cut to a different soundtrack that's not quite what i was okay <laughs> where we've already we've already uh derailed yes i jody can okay. you do me a favor oh no <laughs> can you tell me what this movie is about i don't know if i can okay i'm gonna try i'm gonna try um okay so 
And this is about girls who don't know how to sit in chairs. Um, <laughs> and creepy guys who shouldn't be uh, dating women that are still in college. Uh, no. Okay. This movie is about a struggling actor in L.A. whose mom dies. And he has to go home to New Jersey for the funeral. He hasn't been home in, I think, nine years. My first issue, but we will talk about that. <laughs> His dad is not happy about it. Um, he comes home for the funeral. And at the actual burial, he runs into two high school friends, uh, Mark and the other guy. <laughs> and um, they invite him out. So he goes to a party. Um does some, I almost said Molly at the time, <laughs> does some ecstasy. Um, and then he's having these headaches. Oh, see, this is already, I'm already messing up. He's on a ton of psych medication, among other things. We'll, we'll talk about the medicine cabinet scene. My God. Um, yeah. Um, which he goes off cold turkey when he goes home, which again, we'll talk about that. But I wonder just- if he never actually went home. Do you think this whole movie happens inside his head in some sort of... Andrea. (laughs) (laughs) This is not supernatural. This is not a dream. Is it possible the whole thing is a dream? Because No. No, it's not. Okay. So, yes. So, just to rewind. Before he goes home, we see he's on all the psych meds. He doesn't take them with him. He goes cold turkey. Um, He starts having these crazy headaches because you're not supposed to go cold turkey off of your medication. PSA. Um, This whole episode could be us talking about... Please don't do this. It's so crazy. It's so bad for you. Oh, my God. Um, So, okay. Rewind. Struggling actor. Mom dies. On lots of meds. Goes home for the funeral. Goes off his meds cold turkey. Runs into high school friends. Goes to the neurologist to find out about these headaches he's having. Turns out he's fine. He's just over-medicated and did it a dumb way when he just stopped taking them. Meets What's-Her-Face, Natalie Portman. Sam. Sam. Oh, yes, right. She's a girl with a boy's name because she's quirky. Um, (laughs) And uh, she's quirky. She's, She's super quirky. She lies a lot. Um... And it's just like a, a fun thing she does. She doesn't even know why she does it. It makes yeah, no sense. It's, it's so silly. crazy. Yeah, she's just she's just weird and quirky. Um, so they spend a few days together. He's processing his mom dying. He's hanging out with his old friends. Um, and then they kind of theoretically fall in love in a few days. Um, we find out that the. Um, his mom died by drowning in the bathtub because she was paraplegic. Um, it's implied that it might have been just on purpose. Um, then we find out that he's the reason his mom is paraplegic or, you know, it was an accident that he was involved in. Uh, when he was nine, he pushed her because he was mad and she fell over the dishwasher with a broken latch and broke her neck. Um, so then... This is so funny. I always the the movie does get a little muddy here for me, mm-hmm. even though I literally watched it yesterday. Um, they then go on this adventure with Mark to like 
reclaim the necklace that his mom was going to be buried in because Mark is a grave robber. Mark which is, is a, a thing, grave robber. Which is a thing that we just don't hate him for, apparently. Um, or at least the movie doesn't want us to hate him for because he redeems himself in the end by this like series of hijinks that include like uh, scamming a local hardware store and selling a nitrous tank. Like, I, okay. Uh, he also says when he gives the necklace back to him, he says the craziest thing. He's like, you didn't want it down there with her. It's better with you anyway. As yeah. if what he did was go through this task to get it from her body in the graveyard. As if like yeah. it wasn't, you didn't, it's what you did in the first place wasn't noble. No, <laughs> like, it was theft. It, like, like, come on, Mark. Yeah. And I don't have a lot of like, you know, uh, like preciousness or something around dead people like but i do think grave robbing is bad generally yeah yeah i i I do think one thing i noticed this time around was how casually grave robbing is treated yeah so he gets the necklace back he's about to fly back to la he and sam have fallen in love again in like four days um he has a meaningful conversation with his father where he says like you over medicated me like, why won't you let me have feelings? He puts his hand on his chest in a kind of creepy way. <laughs> and then when he tries to leave, Sam, of course, falls apart because her life is has no meaning without him. Mm-hmm. I said I wasn't going to be mean. Um, I think we can be a little mean. I, I think especially mean. when it comes to Sam yeah. and her yeah. characterization. I think it is totally okay to be mean there. Okay, so she loses her shit because this man that she didn't know four days ago. She is, is, I'm sorry, I hate, she is crying so much. Yeah, yeah. You think her mom died. Um, (laughs) She didn't cry when when she brutally murdered her hamster. But this (laughs) man she's known for four days. Yeah. Uh, So, but he changes his mind. He gets off the plane, which famously is something you can't really do. Unless you're about to get arrested. Um, yeah, you can't just be like, the lady I met. <laughs> you don't understand. Yeah. I'll be this so was... sad. Yeah, I'd be so sad. This is post 9-11, too. Mm-hmm. They're not letting you off the plane. Why? Um, but he goes and finds her. They have I feel the... like especially at Newark. Although, actually, oh. now I'm sort of torn. Is it especially at Newark? Or is it, if you're going to get away with that kind of like airport lawlessness <laughs> anywhere, it's Newark? Oh, Newark in the mid-2000s. You, got, you may have a point. But he gets off the plane and he basically is like, you complete me, except not that. (laughs) But he might as well. She's, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We're so close to the end. She is sobbing in a phone booth when he finds her. She's in a glass case of emotion, you know, like Anchorman. (laughs) Oh, fuck. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So she's in a glass case of emotion. He comes and comes back and says that he loves her or something um, and that they'll work it out. And uh, there were so many platitudes in that final speech that I cannot possibly remember what he actually said. Uh, and then that's the movie. How did I do? You you kind of crushed that, honestly. Well, I think so that much. was I think that was great. The I also let me be mean about it. It's easier. Yeah. Well, that ending. I almost want to talk about the ending first, so we can get because it is. Well, can we talk about it in the context of the the text that you sent me within five minutes of starting the movie? (laughs) Little behind the scenes here. Tell me what I said. I don't remember. Okay. Um. 
so well the problem is there were a lot of texts that followed that so i've got to find it um i'll but... say while you're scrolling okay. it's so funny because he gives her that shithead speech where he's gonna get on the plane and he goes on and on. he's like it's not an ending it's an ellipsis blah 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 oh and then five minutes later he's like remember that blah 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 stuff i said which was only five minutes ago and she's like the the ellipsis <laughs> she's like yeah, yeah, Natalie, the ellipsis. Like, oh my God. it was five minutes ago and it was bad. Yeah, it was bad. Um, not to not to sort of spoil my thesis here at the very beginning of our podcast, but I think the reason that we all decided we hated this movie is because it shows how the like most cringy version of ourselves to ourselves. <laughs> Like the people we were when we were writing in our journals about yeah. the per- our first love, like it's. And just I, I so also cringy. think there's part of it that's like I'm embarrassed for Zach Braff for being so earnest on screen. Yeah, yeah, and the earnestness is painful. It's not really up to us to be embarrassed for this this rich white man, but I right. can't help. But it. we're embarrassed for ourselves as right. well. Right? Yeah, it's like an e- not echo chamber, but it's like a. It's like two mirrors facing each other and it just goes on and on forever, you know? Yes. You. So what you said in uh, the text to me was, here's my prediction five minutes in. I'm going to think this movie could have been good even now if they cut the love story. Oh, yeah. Which Cor- actually I'm is so not right. a terrible point. <laughs> I'm so um, right. There's a, there's a few other things I would, I would think need to be altered for it to Certainly. actually be a good movie, but I think that would be a great start. It um, is. But then who's going to save Zach Braff if not... Okay, Natalie wait, Portman. here's an idea. Wait, wait, wait. I have a thought. What if he's a fucking adult and saves himself? <laughs> what if this movie is him going home to find a good therapist and a good psychiatrist who isn't his, his fucking father. dad? Although I did read that Zach Braff's, both of his parents and one of his step-parents were, both of his parents were psychologists and he had a step-parent who was a therapist, which oh is like, Lord. no wonder he wrote garden this state movie. yeah like i yeah. think that's all you need to know can you imagine what a nightmare <laughs> what a nightmare that must have been oh my god i mean yeah i mean so, so much of this movie comes from, from his like yeah yeah like even down to the like vietnamese restaurant in the beginning which i get i think i also said to you this whole podcast oh, yeah. could be about that scene because it is everything about it is wild and i have a lot to tell you about it actually i only have one thing to tell you the dude in that scene with the women where who's being such a pain in the ass, mm-hmm. I, they all are. He's the man who financed this movie. <laughs> so that's why he's in this movie. You know that's what I mean? Amazing. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. No, what you said was we could do an entire episode on her. She's fighting for her life in that scene. She's working so hard. She Fuck. really is. Bamboo. Whatever. There are so many crazy line deliveries by the I like, know. not the, the like, side characters in this movie that are like yeah i didn't realize how much of this movie was still in my brain because of those people yeah i didn't realize how much of this movie was not in my brain anymore how much (laughs) of it like how many plot points were fully gone from my brain people deal with trauma in different ways yeah Yeah. i've been ruminating for 20 years for me this movie was about like (laughs) natalie portman being quirky and killing hamsters and like a big house with no furniture. Like I remember the set pieces. Mm-hmm. What makes sense? You know, which does make sense. Yeah, because there was a lot of what he was focused on, um, like the quarry and all that. But, um, but yeah, there were a lot of pretty significant details I had blocked out. 
this is another movie. I think it'll be, I think one of the reasons I was interested in this being the movie we watched this week is um, to hold it up against another movie by a very Jersey. That's the other thing about Zach Braff. He's, he is very Jersey. Like this movie is clearly made by somebody who knows this state like that. You know I what will else give though? Him. Okay. He is very Jersey. He's very, he's a very specific kind of Jersey. Rich. Yes. <laughs> Child of psychologists <laughs> in from... South Orange. And he went to Maplewood. Maplewood. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Currently referred to as like the new Brooklyn. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So I think that like that's also a really important context when I say he's but he is. This but movie that was also filmed Jersey. Yeah. yeah, totally. This movie was filmed almost entirely on location. Um uh the what but what I was saying was holding him holding Zach Braff as a filmmaker and this movie up against Jeremy Jasper and um so patty cakes wild. which is so interesting because we we talk about a lot or at least we have talked about how new jersey has these pockets like how far apart is we could find out hold on how far apart is so the mansion that his friend bought is actually crocker mansion which has a really interesting um and i think hillsboro um huh. which has a really interesting it's like a registered historical landmark oh, it's in Mawa. yeah and so how close is that to the to the overpass you overpass? Okay, overpass. <laughs> so here, this is what I wanted to say when you started this part of the conversation. I think last week I talked about how, or, well, I've talked about New Jersey so much recently. I don't know what's happening. The further <laughs> I get from the state, the more I talk about it uh-huh. and the more annoying I am about it. But so Mawa's where my mom lived when she was a kid. The town that I grew up in, Saddlebrook, is, I would say, no more than 20, 30 minutes from Mawa. Maybe 30. Um, 29 minutes from Crocker Mansion to Saddlebrook Mall. Look at me. You nailed it. I nailed it. So, and the point I wanted to make, which nobody cares about but me, is that I grew up in Saddlebrook until I was 13, right? So Jeremy Jasper's New Jersey was my New Jersey until I was 13. Then I moved to Glenrock which is the town next to Ridgewood, which is the very wealthy town my mom grew up in. Glenrock is Ridgewood adjacent. It is also very wealthy, but it is just not as wealthy as the mansions and the like giant houses that start happening when you get to Ridgewood, Hohokus, Franklin Lakes, Mawa. I just went up Route 17 in my head. Um, (laughs) So this is the world that I grew up in, that dichotomy between... The overpass and the adult store that's right next to it that, mm-hmm. you know, was on my way to school versus the Crocker Mansion and the town my mom grew up in. Totally. It's all it's it. This is literally the two poles of like my mm-hmm. growing up in, in North Jersey specifically. So, yeah, of course, oh, well, the Crocker and, Mansions and, and we Mawa. see it in this movie so much because. Well, they drive through what looks like Patterson at one point or was probably supposed to be like a Patterson. Right. Well, you know. and. And, and Newark. Yeah, exactly. And uh, Andrew, Andrew's house and the, is you know, he's got psych, at least one, <laughs> one medical professional parent and, yeah. and the Crocker mansion. But then we go to Mark's house mm-hmm. and Mark's house looks like straight out of patty cakes, you know? Yeah. And, it's... and Natalie's house or yeah. uh, Sam's house too. Yeah. And those two, it's so... 
it's so interesting. It's a ter terrible word for this, but it's, it is interesting to me how there's like this spectrum because it's not quite the location to me of patty cakes. It's like adjacent. Yeah. It's yeah. like just a little bit better, mm -hmm. you know, because I don't think that Zach Braff grew up with people who lived in places like Lodi. Like I right. just don't. Yeah. And it's not that Lodi is a bad place at all. It's no. just a different world. Right. But I grew up with kids who grew up like Andrew did. And I grew up much more like Mark and yeah. um, and Sam. With the raccoons. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, when I lived with a raccoon, I lived in an area that you were oh, more likely. Raccoon? I only okay. had one. Thank you. Okay. Um, but it. Man, we really could get into so much of this because you're right that like the patty cakes upbringing is not the same as the sam and mark upbringing and it's obviously not the same as andrew's upbringing yeah and you it's well and the list of locations that this movie was um filmed at mm -hmm. reads like what we're talking about like um hold on let me see if i can find it well again. i get we the impression that zach braff is aware of all this it's not yeah i think so like yeah he so he filmed in south orange in his hometown um wallington cranford mawa livingston newark mm -hmm. and new york city mm -hmm. so like it's it is that that sort of um there's like an interesting map of it that goes mm -hmm. from like the really fancy parts of new jersey to the much less uh much less wealthy areas and there's an interesting bit of well the bit of trivia isn't really interesting but it's the thing you read I, every like piece of garden state trivia or whatever that i read mentioned the fact that in that swimming pool scene it's really really foggy and that wasn't like added after the fact it was he, huh. he chose that location with the assumption that it would be clear because apparently from that pool you can see the manhattan skyline of course of course right. you can right of course and he can. has that whole scene about home and leaving and how you can't return and all of that and that against the manhattan skyline which we talked about at length last yeah. week yeah is so significant yep. and it made me be like oh he really was because like i i have said we talked about this movie very very briefly on new jersey is the world mm -hmm. and i said i don't really think of it as a jersey movie and i mm -hmm. take that back now watching yeah. it at this age when i was younger i was too focused on the <laughs> love story question mark i guess and the yeah. deep emotional trauma that he's working through whatever it is a jersey movie very much yeah. but i i always thought garden state was a weird title for it and maybe that's what i was responding to yeah. but knowing that that was in his head when he was making this movie and that he had intended for that scene to be there is like yeah. It's just such a Jersey experience. Well, and I think the reason that to me, I didn't think of it as, and it still doesn't feel to me as Jersey of a movie as Patty Cakes, mm -hmm. for example, is because it is not the Jersey that I was a part of for most of my life. Right. It was when I got to high school and I went to Glenmark High School and I started hanging out in Ridgewood because that's where I worked. I met a bunch of kids that lived in giant houses with no parents, yeah. right? Yeah. Whose parents would go to Europe for two weeks and the teens would take over in mm -hmm. make a mess of these mansions. And like, that was an experience I had when I was in high school, but it still felt super foreign to me. So yeah. I think like, to me, Zach Braff's Garden State is like what I imagine the lives of like 
the people I knew from like Ridgewood and, and places like that was actually like, you know, but it was still pretty foreign. Right. Yeah, totally. Totally. I just want to point out. So we you asked me how far Saddlebrook was from from the mansion in this movie. And I, we said 20 minutes. I also want to point out that Newark is only 40 minutes from Mawa. Mm -hmm. Like that is so close when they it's in newark where we see method man mm -hmm. which i quite like i mean this movie does have kind of an incredible cast that i had forgotten about yeah um gene smart uh-huh as mark's mom best. is yeah. great she's so good um that's peter, such a peter sarsgaard like i love peter sarsgaard i she, think he's part of the reason we don't hate him even though he's a grave robber just because he's peter sarsgaard yeah he's he's not just a grave robber too he's like <sighs> he's a scammer he also is like chasing after women that he's too old to be chasing after yeah we're supposed to think he's noble because when zach offers him money or he even says which i think is a good point he's like or just ask jesse or whoever i forget which one is which but i think I think yeah. Jesse is the silent Velcro silent inventor, Velcro. which is really funny. I've forgotten uh, completely about that. It's a lovely uh, note. Uh -huh. um, he says, no, I don't I don't borrow money from anybody. I don't take money from anybody. And I believe that he he has. This is a very I, I can't say Jersey thing, but it's a very this class of person. It's thing. a bro it, thing. It's like a bro. It's like a suburban bro thing of like code. I'm, I'm living at home with my mom. I'm running return like merchandise scams, scams yep. at local stores, but I think that it is dishonorable to borrow money. I mm -hmm. will and we're supposed to think that that's like like a redeemable quality yeah. in him that we're like this movie looks at Mark with much more respect than I can. Yeah. Like totally. I can't not only is he a scammer, a grave robber, hitting on girls he's too old for, he also is, like, annoyed with his mom for wanting him to, like, have a life and, like, do something yeah. other than sit on the couch and smoke weed and, like, you know, rob graves. Like He says, like, I'm 26, what's... <laughs> Which, in 2005, is, like, because I know now we talk about the, like... Uh, there's like an extended adolescence mm -hmm. kind of thing happening and how we yeah. need to be a little more sympathetic and, and empathetic, I think, in, in our uh, generations. And um, also capitalism is set up this generation to fail. Exactly. So I think true, all of but... that is true. But he <laughs> just the way he's like, oh, 26, what's the rush? It's like, well, I'm sure your mom doesn't have health insurance, but even if she did, this would be your last year, buddy. So like, well, there's is, a little nope, bit of a rush. Nope. Remember that's last before, week, pre-2008. That's right. That's right. Pre-Obamacare. So, yeah. so, so like, I mean, you know, now that I am closer to Gene Smart's age than I am to the age I was when this movie came out. Horrifying to think about, this isn't movie, it? <laughs> I know. But now that I am closer to the age of someone who could have a child that mm -hmm. in their 20s, like, get the fuck off her couch. Yeah. Yeah. She wants to fuck the kid from medieval times, and, <laughs> and you're she, in the way. And you need to let her. And like, you need to go it's not do something, to, like, get your own shitty apartment and fucking, you know, wherever. Uh-huh. You know, so I was trying funny. to think of a town that a person could the, afford an apartment in in New Jersey in, in 26, and, and I couldn't come up with one. Nope, nope. Which is um, maybe proving his point. But, 
Yeah, like get off her fucking couch and let her have sex with the knight. Like, what's wrong with you? I could, again, I said that this movie, that this episode could just be us talking about how they handle mental health and Andrew's medication. It could also be just about the scene at the kitchen table or not even the kitchen table there again there are parts of this movie that hold up and the reveal of that fucking night with a gallon of milk when he wakes the up best. on the sofa is so funny and i had completely forgotten it was jim parsons i know i know uh, who again a- appears in apparently i haven't seen the two other movies that he's written and directed i kind of want to now just to compare but He's I almost also... put one on yesterday yeah, in like so a weird I. kind of like, I don't yeah. even know what the impulse is, but I am interested. So am I, I think I want to see that he's grown and matured <laughs> a little bit. I think that's what I want. We'll see. Um, but yeah, either his second or third movie, Jim Parsons is also in. Oh. Um, so I, I think it's really, it was funny to see him in his, uh, all his armor. Just looking like an absolute baby. Just... Mm-hmm. I know that medieval times exist in other places, but I think it started here and the like. It's so it's, iconic. It's so it like medieval times just is very New Jersey. Yeah. Did yeah, they I finally mean, unionize? I, they were. Yeah, they were trying to. I don't they know if were, they did. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, Geth has a whole bit about medieval times in his uh, Jersey special. Like the the silliness of of being a, a fake knight. Yeah. You know, for well, your job. That's uh, Taylor Hammock Taylor Hammock and, Ham- and Cheese. I think it's still on Spotify, right? Um, I know. I tried to find it recently, and it wasn't on Spotify anymore. I don't know if it's back, but it wasn't when I looked. I had to find it on like YouTube or something. Okay. I was trying to share one of the bits with somebody. Um, but and yeah, we also one of our New Jersey's World live shows was we divided the audience up like medieval times, and then had a bunch of medieval times inspired games. I'm so mad um, I missed that one. It's just it's just very much in our in our DNA. Yeah. Um, and so so that is such a lovely little little touch. Yeah. No, the the cast in this movie is great. The woman that is at singing the song we, we talked about at uh, at his mom's funeral singing uh, three times a lady. Oh, my God. She's perfect. She's it's so another. Perfect. She's so good. She just I know so many of her. I told you. Yeah somebody a distant relative at least this person was i think she's her um his dad's sister because she's credited as aunt but she says when i met your mother right Um, so i think that's his but yeah that's jackie that's jackie hoffman um she is she's been working obviously for a very long time uh she's currently been in uh only murders in the building Oh. Um, she was also in Birdman, Glass Onion, Grease, Rise of the Pink Ladies. She's uh, one of those who Maisel. probably yeah. she's been working forever and ever and ever. And I grew um, up with ten of her. I think oh I, my God, I, I told I you at my pub ups funeral, some random woman who was like married into our family sang Amazing Grace and multiple verses of it and not well. <laughs> multiple verses and it's just Great. like you just have to let these people do their thing when she says the little passive aggressive bit where she's like like making him try the shirt on at his mother's funeral and mm-hmm. she says like just in case it doesn't fit and i need to change it before you leave us again for nine for years nine years oh yep. oh i felt that one she was also a voice on doug apparently but she's fantastic it is 
one of the scenes that we loved at the time that I know is why one of the reasons this movie is shamed now is she makes him try the shirt on mm-hmm. and it is the exact it's literally the leftover material from when they redid the bathroom. It's so Wes Anderson. It's, it's so painful. Wes Anderson, but it's also like, and it's so like, yeah. I said I said last week too, this is somebody who went to film school, like ma- trying to make a capital M movie. Uh-huh. And this is the same with Garden State. And this is a good example of that. Um, but it, but it's funny and it works. And it also does a little bit of that. Like he's blending in with the background, but it also just is like a funny thing to see. So <laughs> I like, you couldn't do it seriously at all. You're like, you're blending in with the background. <laughs> well, cause I know that that's like part of it. There's so much yeah. stuff like that. Um, it's the cringe, right? It's the sincerity of it. Yeah. Like he's so going straight at all of these cliches and tropes with like a sincere heart. And it's hard to watch. Mm-hmm. It's it's the sincerity of it plus the like again film schoolness of some of it. And I know I have no right to be. And I'm actually not saying that to judge. I think it's like I bet that it's really hard to make a movie. And uh, so yeah. like that he's trying to do anything. But but I do know those scenes. There's also the one at the very beginning when he walks through the bathroom and all of the sensors go off, which is just a cool uh-huh. visual. It doesn't it is. mean anything. Right. Like, because it, I think probably you might like, I, I'm trying to think of how you would explain what's going on there with some sort of like symbolic meaning. And there just isn't because. Yeah. You could try he, to stretch to make one, but it's tough. Because in fact, if you I'm sure he gonna... has one though. Well, that's well, that's what I wonder if he does or if he's just like that's a cool visual. Because if anything, oh he no, he's be... so sincere. There's got to be some sort of like, but he know... should be if anything so disconnected that he can't set them off. That scene then should be uh-huh. him not I being know. able to wash his hands, and I instead agree. everything is reacting to him in that scene. Yeah, um, maybe no, it's that would make more sense. He's still so full of drugs that his like cells are vibrating off of his body because that medicine cabinet is are we talking about that now crazy i think jody let's get into it okay did you write them down i didn't write them down but it is i wrote some of them down it's so funny it's so funny i wrote some of them down a lot of it is like it's xanax percocet okay what i wrote down is zoloft doxycycline percocet valium vicodin hydrocodone there were a couple more that you texted me. Methacarp, which I think is a non-narcotic muscle relaxer. There are a couple that are really funny. Like the doxycycline. That's funny is, to me. It's just an antibiotic. <laughs> like, yeah. It's like what they give you when you get bitten by a tick. Yeah. Uh, methacarb, I think, is a non-narcotic muscle relaxer. Like, I don't think that one's a big deal. Like, I think. A lot I, of them are pain. Percocet, hydrocodone. Well, a lot of you can get a buzz from them, so that's fine. Yeah, if you do um, too much, but it's a yeah. hold on. Methocarbamol is essentially acting skeletal muscle relaxant, approved for the treatment of acute musculoskeletal pain. Um, it's like for oh, that's what it's. It's for this is why I know what it is. Doesn't matter. I'm not going to say why. It has nothing to do with me, and and I don't want to violate <laughs> HIPAA laws. It's just kidding. I'm not a medical professional. It wouldn't be a HIPAA violation, but. Um, it's for muscle spasms. It's okay. not even. It's not even for pain, really. And there's, like, of course, there's also lithium in there, which we should. Um, and <laughs> meclizine, which is an anti-nausea medication, I take like once a week. <laughs> like it's, it's like. Okay. I just think it's like maybe some of that 
I, like, didn't well, he, like... and there's repeats too, right? So the the visual for people who haven't watched this movie in a while or have never seen it, the visual is he opens the medicine cabinet and cabinet. He opens the medicine. <laughs> I'm in the Midwest. He opens the medicine cabinet and it's all pills. Every right. shelf is full. It's all this like orderly grid of of pill bottles. That's the and, only thing in there. Yeah. And so there's repeats, right? Like there's multiple bottles of each thing in order to fill the medicine cabinet. Which also doesn't really make sense sense unless he, unless the implication is that he hasn't been taking his medicine. Or that he's hoarding it illegally and like, but all of the medicine have his name on them. Yes. None of that makes sense. No, none of it makes sense. Or maybe he just doesn't throw his bottles out, but that also... (laughs) Doesn't... He's holding on to them for a later art project when he gets yeah. to graduate school for his MFA. <laughs> I don't know where I got that idea from. Um, that's definitely not a thing a number of people have done. Um, <laughs> but I, so I thought of that as that that one image. I thought of as just such a a little bit of a weird note because it's definitely a it's for the visual. Right. right. It's not the, actually realistic at all. They weren't assuming anybody was going to pause it and look and wonder why Little this 26-year-old man is on anti-nausea <laughs> medication and a heavy-duty antibiotic. <laughs> Doxy made me so sick. Yeah, it's... it's Doxycycline horrible. is like a heavy-duty... Yeah. That he lives was, in L.A. <laughs> like, it's... Like, literally, I was on doxycycline for getting a tick bite when I also, was... Yeah, you can't be outside. One of my favorite foods is banh mi, which is Vietnamese and is served... On bread? On bread. Okay, then I'm going to read this now. So on the IMDb oh, for this movie... A, a fun fact? Uh, I do. Um, in the Did You Know section of IMDb, <laughs> under goofs, <laughs> is a person who wrote, They fucked up. In the restaurant scene near the beginning, when the snotty customer asks for bread, Andrew Largeman replies they have none and explains this is because this is a Vietnamese restaurant. In fact, because of the French colonization of Vietnam in the mid-19th century, French baguettes are a common staple in Vietnamese cuisine, and any good Vietnamese restaurant would most likely have them in their kitchen. And Zach Braff apparently worked at a Vietnamese restaurant. He knows they have bread. Yeah. Yeah. I've been waiting to throw that fact in, and he just gave me the opening. That's so funny. Thank you so I love, much. I love a good by me. Yeah, seriously. Come on, Zach Braff. I, I could, Although, again, okay, could just to, talk about that Not scene. to go too deep here, but I will also say that <clears throat> Bon Me wasn't as big of a, a white person trend in 2005 as it is now. But I would think of Vietnamese restaurant. Yeah, have you uh, totally. Ever been to they would one have had that, bread. Yeah. Like, yeah. I yeah. said, have you ever been to one? I was going to say that didn't have Bon Me. I didn't, I wasn't, have you ever been? <laughs> That wasn't have you ever been to a yes, God. I have. Um, yeah. So okay. So let's talk. We'll do. Should we do the well, mental illness we... hour now? Yeah, and then remind me that I want to talk about his um, gas station experience. Okay. Do you want to get to that first, or do you want to hold on to it? I just. What do you think is being implied there? I thought it was. This is what I remembered about. If you asked me before today or before Uh yesterday, I guess, when I hadn't seen this movie in a very long time, what are the most Jersey moments in this movie? I would have said the Medieval Times Night Mm -hmm. and the scene where Large comes home to New Jersey and forgets because he doesn't have to pump his own gas in Jersey because we're civilized people Mm -hmm. that they haven't yet put the pump, the nozzle back on the pump and he drove away. Mm -hmm. But that happens in L.A., 
So where he is pumping his own gas. Right. Be- so how did I think that the, happen? The implication is he doesn't know how to pump his own gas. But he hasn't been back to New Jersey in nine, in nine years. years. He I didn't know. even have a license when he left. Yeah, that's a solid He has point. never lived in a state where he's had to pump his own gas. Okay, so in addition to the bread thing, this also, and the pill thing. Yeah, this whole beginning is yeah. just full of holes that do not, <laughs> listeners, do not get resolved. <laughs> Zach no, Braff, don't. explain yourself. Yes. Tell us what you meant by the gas bump. <laughs> it's, it's, is it that he's, that's I mean, clearly here, the biggest problem with the here's movie. What, I mean, it's obviously he's so distracted because he's on a heavy duty antibiotic and, yeah. uh, <laughs> it's and it's anti- <laughs> exactly. He's so distracted. He just, yeah. you just wouldn't because like, well, you know, you would never drive away with the pump in the car. Yeah. You just... Unless, unless you were somebody who wasn't used to just sitting in your car while someone else pumps your gas, right. then you might. Right. Which is not the case here. Right. Though that would be the fault of the gas attendant for either giving you your card back before he was done or taking your cash. Cash. Your cash cash before he was done. Yes. Or she or they. Right. Yes. Although in New Jersey, (laughs) have you ever had anyone other than an old man pump your gas? Well, or a 17-year-old boy. Very occasionally at a Wawa. Okay. But that's it. Yeah, well, that's Which a more you don't modern know experience about of New Jersey than I've had. As, yeah, and also yeah. as someone from North Jersey, you wouldn't know anything about it. No, I, that's uh, we've got Krausers and Seven <laughs> Eleven. Um, so okay, should we talk about the mental illness part of this? Because this yes. could be a short discussion or a long one, depending on how we want to deal with it. But first off, please don't just stop taking your psychiatric medication. It's not even just because he stops taking it and he starts complaining about the headaches. And I don't think we're meant to make that connection that that's what's going on. But anyone who has stopped taking a psychiatric medication knows that there's something called brain zaps that feels like lightning is stabbing you in the brain. And it's like you go off of a medication too fast or at all. And the lesson we're supposed to get from this is because he if he is taking all of those drugs, including the uh, muscle uh the anti-muscle spasm and the hydrocodone and the the hydrocodone but if he is actually taking all of those drugs he is certainly over medicated yes yes but the resolution at the end of this movie being like oh i should just be on no drugs because it's better to feel than not the options aren't you're so medicated that you can't feel and experience and engage with reality and can't cry as is a big thing in the movie right right or no drugs and that fixes you yeah. No, there this, is a black and whiteness to this uh, dis- discussion, whatever, representation of psych meds that is really irresponsible. Well, and I don't because I don't think that I or I think there's part of me that thinks the implication is supposed to be Andrew is not actually mentally ill in the first place and his dad right. put him on all these drugs. But he does have a like his his mom clearly suffered from depression because mm-hmm. he says one of the reasons he was so frustrated with her is she was sad all the time which is unfair but but realistic for a child sure right anybody mm-hmm. who's had a parent who suffered from mental illness like that's a real feeling yeah. so i'm okay with that yeah a- and of course it is i think heavily implied that that drowning wasn't accidental right right so i just think the likelihood of it actually being Andrew was a troubled kid because he grew up in a troubled house and also suffers from his own, you know, mental health issues yeah. is probably the case, right? Yes, I think so. I And, you know, 
if what we're supposed to assume is that he was never mentally ill and he was over-medicated by a father who was terrified that the kid was going to blame himself, like, you still shouldn't stop taking your fucking medication randomly (laughs) with no uh, observation by a doctor. I mean, I cannot look at... I mean, mean, the jet lag alone is enough to mess (laughs) you up, you know? But see, like, part of the thing is... Okay, I'm going to get into the can we separate the art from the artist for a second. Because I think we can and should. But in this case, Zach Braff is so determined to make art about himself. Oh, my God. Yeah. The Like, in this movie and in the next one, the protagonist is like, you know, Zach Braff. Like, mm-hmm. it just is. And mm-hmm. so, and he has talked it's about the fact that literally he, his high school, his, yeah. he, like, he worked at a Vietnamese restaurant like all it's so autobiographical he was not even he even talks about like well that's what I was about to say yeah he talks about how he has OCD or had it mm-hmm. when he was younger and how you know he was mentally ill he was depressed right. when he wrote this movie and so like I think that regardless of what we're supposed to think Andrew is going through in this movie it's a semi to very autobiographical story about someone who has publicly said that they were mentally ill when they wrote it like right so you know i I don't think that like i don't think anyone that's watched this movie would say that andrew's character was not mentally ill in some way also he was you know medicated at nine with lithium like those things can both be true you know um yeah i also think that so, Ian Holmes should have had his license revoked. Oh, absolutely. Um, yes, yeah, it's so unethical to be to your own child. I mean, it's horrifying. I mean, and I think that's why that's why in the movie at the time I watched it in the beginning, I was able to just kind of be like, well, yeah, like his dad did this to him and he stopped doing it and now mm-hmm. he's fine, you know, like, but it, that's way too simplistic. Um but I also want to bring up the fact, and I'm probably I probably shouldn't because I don't have like all the citations in front of me. Uh-huh. But there was a time period in the early 2000s where there was a rash of overprescription of antipsychotics for bipolar disorder um, that has been described in medical literature since then. Right. Like there was a thing going around at this time about how heavy duty bipolar medications and young people being diagnosed with bipolar Mm -hmm. disorder um, and bipolar two and all of this stuff at a rate that was strange. Right. You know, and it was one Mm -hmm. of those like chicken or the egg thing. Like now with ADHD, suddenly, you know, all these women in their thirties and forties are being diagnosed with ADHD. And it's like, well, is, did they always have it? Yes, in this case, probably. But also, like, why now? And that was right. happening with bipolar disorder and with lithium and other um, more modern antipsychotics being prescribed to children. Mm-hmm. Totally. So he's not... He is actually... Now looking back at it, it's it's hard to... You know, if you weren't aware of that conversation at the time, it's kind of maybe not on the radar, but... He's kind of weirdly in conversation with something that was happening in psychiatry at the time Mm -hmm. um, where there was a lot of conversation about like 
should we be doing this? Should we right. be prescribing these heavy medications to young people before their brains have had a chance to fully form? Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. All that to say, there was a larger conversation happening about this at the time that mm-hmm. I think he may is either intentionally or unintentionally tapping into. And it's so specific, I can't imagine it's fully unintentional. Right. And especially knowing that both of his parents were psychiatrists and, uh-huh. and, he had and that he had OCD and... or has OCD. Yeah. yeah, exactly. There's also since we're on the like mental illness topic, I think we also should talk a little bit about this movie from a disability perspective because it's got some issues. Oof. I mean, there's the obvious one, which is the fact that the R word is said like a thousand times in this movie. And that's the joke. The yeah. joke is that they're saying that word. Yeah. And it's also the only time this was the thing that was like really uncomfortable for me where I believed uh, Natalie Portman's Jersey accent. <laughs> <laughs> and I think it's because that word was so you're so constantly. you know exactly what that word sounds like uh-huh. in a Jersey accent. I do. Unfortunately, Natalie. Um, God. I know that you've already introduced what this little segment will be about. I did not remember her having that fucking baby voice. Oh my god. Natalie no. Portman, I've seen her in other things. That is she does not have that baby voice, right? Mm-hmm. I don't think so. I don't it think is, so. When she starts talking to him in the also he should have called the cops when she started talking to him. I'm sorry. I never in a million years do not approach me like that. But <laughs> it is do not approach Andrea, people. Her her voice is, I couldn't, I truly couldn't believe the voice she's using in this I movie. Know. She is a, she's a child. Yeah. Yeah. It is so gross. She dresses like a toddler. She sounds like a baby. Yep. Yep. It, so and like we can get into the manic pixie dream girl of it all if we want to i don't even know that we really need to because it's it's such a well-worn trope at this point though her 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 character is challenging for a lot of reasons Mm -hmm. but it is i was saying to you before even started recording that's a term that didn't we didn't even have in our vocabulary until shortly after this movie came out in part because of this movie most um the like person who wrote the original article with that term though um yeah it's in reference to a different movie yeah we use that phrase as if it's just always been in our vocabulary but somebody coined it nathan raven um Mm -hmm. wrote um an essay in 2007 about elizabeth town which is a movie i don't think many of us care about and i don't even think um kirsten dunst in that movie is the most offensive version of the manic pixie dream girl i think probably (laughs) It's like Natalie Portman or what's her face from uh, Scott Pilgrim or or Zoe Deschanel. Deschanel I mean, there are there's a bunch of them. But um, I also just while we're talking about this, want to quote quickly from the Vice article, because this is one of the issues that uh, is this Dan Ozzie's article that we were talking about. Yeah, that he has a problem with. And so the way that he says it is for the male viewers who had a predatory perversion for a questionably aged borderline autistic jailbait, there was the film's male fantasy projection canvas, Natalie Portman. She was annoying and infantile with an arsenal of red flags, like the fact that her entire backyard was a cemetery for all the pets she'd killed with her gross (laughs) negligence. Uh, So, yeah. 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 There's that. I think that that frames it pretty succinctly. And I like Natalie Portman. She is not likable in this movie. And it's like, 
and it is such he just so perfectly it is he just played there's that scene in the bathtub where she's like what are you feeling now after he manages to cry one tear and he says safe when i'm with you i feel safe Mm -hmm. like i'm home bitch you have known her for three Three days days at this point like that is crazy Mm -hmm. Um, but in this article he says Dunst embodies a character type I like to call the manic pixie dream girl. And then in parentheses, see Natalie Portman in Garden State for another mm-hmm. prime example. The manic pixie dream girl exists solely in the fevered imaginations of sensitive writer directors to teach broodingly soulful young men to embrace life and its infinite mysteries. Good luck in the infinite abyss um, and adventures. The manic pixie dream girl is in, in is an all or nothing proposition. I'm going to just read the last little bit mm-hmm. of this paragraph. Audiences either want to marry her instantly, despite the manic pixie dream girl being, you know, a fictional character or they want to commit grievous bodily harm against them in their immediate family as for me well let's just say i'm not going to propose stunts psychotically chipper waitress in the sky anytime soon mm. um so and yet and yet and yet as a young woman during this time i feel like i identified in some way as a manic pixie dream girl like or wanted to be seen as that well, I think here's what I think is maybe like rooted in reality is the idea of a man putting all of his like uh, preconceived ideas of what a specific woman should be to him and for him yeah, on a woman and like not giving her the space to be who she needs to be. But then and I think that that is something that exists in real life, but her then manifesting as that kind of person to perfectly complement what he's you know yeah is expecting and needs her to be yeah Um, i mean i think i think the (laughs) the positive thing about the bad pixie dream girl yeah okay uh how am i gonna spin this is (laughs) is the fact that it glorified the weird kid a little bit that's true and having been a weird kid um, I feel like the only positive thing I can think of from that depiction was that, like, it, in a way, I don't know if I can actually pull this off, but... No faith in you. <laughs> it kind of... <laughs> I can't believe I'm going to say the sentence. It... Can I say this sentence? I don't know if I can. I want to say it made mental illness kind of cute. (laughs) Um, Because I know she's not mentally ill in this movie, but she could be. (laughs) Well, she murders her pets. Right. She's not she's not not mentally ill. (laughs) Um, So I don't know. I think that there's a reason that a number of girls that I grew up with didn't see this as problematic for a long mm-hmm. time until we became adult women and we're like oh wait that's well, all we were about to be or allowed if to you, be the like generous reading of a Natalie Portman character is she's interesting she has a personality she has characteristics that aren't dependent on the the man in a way you know mm-hmm. like she's a liar and has epilepsy and can't sit in chairs and can't sit in chairs um, yeah bisexual representation thank you love to see it <sighs> But so I can see why, again, there's. I'm not defending the Manic Pixie Dream Girl trope at all. I'm just saying that. But she's literally the first or second of them. So we have to give, we don't have to give Zach Braff slack for writing her, but I think we have to give, 
Sam a little slack for existing. Does that make sense? It does. It does. And I think it's kind of, and I think it's okay to give ourselves slack right. for identifying with her before we were right. fully formed enough as thinkers and people to understand the problems with it. Exactly. You know, like, I think at the time I did not see Natalie Portman in that movie as a problem. No, no. Which no, I, definitely not. I loved her, which yeah. is, it is hard to watch that and know that now and it is why we all have to hate this movie so vociferously because if we don't then yeah because we we hate ourselves (laughs) exactly yeah i want to point out this movie was very well received at the time again i need to Mm -hmm. just mention that Mm -hmm. like all this hatred that has come for it it was a critics choice nominee for best soundtrack it was a sundance pick like you know yeah i think it was like funded for two and a half million and bought up for five so like and it made like 14 yeah. times what it was made for. Mm-hmm. Like it did really fucking well. And I don't know that we can should get into the soundtrack just yet because I think that's going to be a bit of a conversation. Yeah, I but the, the soundtrack is obviously extremely notable. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, for sure. Like there's and, you know, there's there is a lot to like about this movie still. I didn't have a bad time watching it. I, yeah, I, it was I think I told you it felt like exercise to watch this movie. Mm-hmm. I feel like I built muscle watching it because I think because there is a lot to like and there is also a lot that you really have to like. Yeah, m- like just muscle through. <laughs> like, well, and on that, I just want to finish up what my thought about the disability. Oh, right, right, right. Because yes. I've kind of got distracted. But um, I actually found a review of this in um the disability studies quarterly from that time interesting um and i it 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 brought up a few things that i hadn't even really considered like the obvious parts of this when i think about it in that let through that lens is the prolific use of the r word which at the time unfortunately was quite normal Mm -hmm. not good but normal but normal but he uses it as a joke which means know. he knows that we shouldn't be throwing yeah. it around like that uh-huh. there's like a little bit of we're totally. like right on the and there's also the fact that there's like a blind person service dog that just yeah there's leaves, so, so leaves much of this to go hump his leg which is not a thing that would happen with a service dog that was trained like yeah no but the other thing that this article or this review brought up that I hadn't even really put much thought into is the fact that disability is or, you know, life-changing disability is only seen as sad in this movie. It is a depressive, like his mom being a paraplegic, mm-hmm. it is her only quality. It well, is her and- tragic backstory. And Natalie Portman's character has epilepsy and it ruins her skating career and therefore like and her and now she has to live at home like there's no nuance whatsoever to the way that disability is portrayed in this movie it's funny the stuff about her epilepsy is there's that you're so right that like and we see the potential she had that was lost but it's also he picked a disability for her that is that you can't see Mm -hmm. the only indication we have of it is when she puts the helmet on which is done as a joke it's not like yeah i mean and in some ways, he does give her more dimension. Like, she's not just a disabled character. It's like, a, it's a footnote, which is a good thing. Right, yeah. But, but it's, the way that the mom is treated is a whole other problem. 
Oh yeah, that's. I just want to quote from this real quick because I think it's important to mm-hmm. put voice to it. The article says, unfortunately, however, while Braff does a good job of valorizing social and even cognitive difference, he's not so clear when it comes to portraying severe disabilities. Largeman's paraplegic mother, for example, is known by her absence, only three, seen through the sentimental and politically correct eyes of others. She becomes a stereotype of suffering and pain whose life is portrayed as a mistake. I think death in parentheses is what she wanted largeman tells sam at one point in the film and as if to emphasize the point he later tells his father that he thinks what his mother wanted more than anything was for it to all be over Mm -hmm. um this leaves open the question about what forms of difference are really acceptable so you know i just think that i think it's important to kind of mention that because there's all the other problems in this movie get constantly brought up but that's also not great (laughs) yeah yeah, absolutely. It's so um it's a guy trying to write a movie that's serious in some ways and the way he does that is through a paraplegic mother who probably kills herself because of it mm-hmm. and a girl whose future is like quote unquote ruined because of her epilepsy, which again isn't go like I'm going to say this, which you get the impression that it's not actually going to affect their life together even though epilepsy like we never see her have a seizure or anything no. and i'm not saying we should i don't think that's no. the point but it yeah. but it is a kind of disability where he can give her this tragic backstory that allows his introduction to her life to be good for both of them um because she is like stunt like quote unquote stunted and living home with right. her mom and you get the impression she'd be doing that forever if she didn't meet him um and which on rewatching, honestly, I think her and her mom's like little cohabitation is delightful and there's nothing yeah. wrong with it. And she no. should just stay there because it's expensive to be an adult and live in New Jersey. I clearly don't feel that way about Mark, but. <laughs> Mark, you. Exactly. Yeah. Well, it's fine, though, because Andrew comes from so much money. They'll be fine. Oh, God. Yeah. yeah. Is he going to make her go to L.A. with him? Or is he going to come home and, like, reconnect with his father and live in New Jersey right. and do what? I don't know. Right. Because he didn't. He's not a great. He's All right. Maybe he's a great actor. I don't know. But he's not super successful. Right. And who knows why he even wants to be an actor. Probably because he doesn't want to face who he is as a person. So he puts on all right. of these other. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So. Uh. I just hope whatever infection he has finally clears up. I mean, he's on some pretty strong antibiotics. Mm-hmm. Which pretty might explain rough. the meclozine, too. So, <laughs> Actually, yes. Right. Because Doxy makes you incredibly nauseous. Totally. Okay, that's really funny. Um, so, okay, wait. God, I hope to- he didn't stop. I mean, he stopped taking everything. That includes... You can't just stop a round of antibiotics halfway through. That's the worst thing you can do. Yes. That's like... The best way to build up resistance to an antibiotic. And one like doxycycline, there's not much you can do after that. I mean, super bugs, man. Totally. <laughs> um, I also, since we're, since we're uh, in ringer podcast parlance, we're picking nits right now. Um, <laughs> there is the uh, student living with. Um, oh, Tatembe? Tatembe living oh, with... Oh, who they adopted from Sally Struthers? Yeah. Yeah, there's that. 
There's that. I don't even know what to do with that. I don't either. Because it's not... Again, it's not, it doesn't fall fully into the stereotype of what you would expect to come from that. Like he is at college at Rutgers and just is like, I'd rather live with family and like they take him in. It's not like they took in an orphan, like he's a college student doing just fine on his own. He just would rather live with them. The thing that makes it, there there are issues. The Uh biggest one is the line that Natalie says where like, you know, I mean, he's studying criminal justice at Rutgers. And when he was a bait and when we whatever, he was one of those babies with flies on flies. His eyes, in the, oh, my God. Which is just like, Jesus Christ. Well, and so um, in the in the photojournalism world, there is a genre of journalism that mm. is sort of pejoratively referred to as flies in the eyes. photography. Oh, whoa. Yeah, exactly. Which is yeah. like that sort of exploitive. Right. Photography of poor children. Um that yeah. So I I wrote that down in all caps because I was like, that's actually a thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um that is discussed. I'm not surprised at all to hear that. Yeah. You know exactly what that's you know exactly what she means when she says it. Um for a reason. I do love the idea of the criminal justice major being obsessed with cracking cases in his own house, though. That's very funny. It's very the, funny, especially because the fingerprints all over the screens. Exactly. That he's that he's profiling. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, can we? Here's the most egregious thing in this movie: is Zach Braff's portrayal of dogs. <laughs> he is oh, not no. a he is not a dog person at all. The pets in this well, all of the pets in this movie except the cats are so gross they're all ill-behaved like and there are a lot there's the seeing eye dog who is like yeah which like you said would never never he never met a service dog they're like yeah they're extremely well trained the whole point is for them to be their one job it would just it would never happen in a million years they have one job and it's not to (laughs) leave their owner exactly blind to go hump someone and then when he gets to what's her face's house, she's the got Dobermans. those poorly trained Dobermans, mm-hmm. which are big dogs. Like you can't have a dog that big and not train it. And then yeah. they've got that little gross Chihuahua who's scratching itself at one point oh, yeah. for no reason. Which is like also that dog is trained that the actor dog is trained to do that, which is pretty impressive. But yeah. it's like why is every and the hamsters and the, the hamsters? But the hamster is a, a victim. The dogs are all antagonists. And then the hamster is a victim. Yeah. And true. then there's the cats who are great, who are just hanging out. And he's actually holding one in like in uh Mark and his mom's house. Yeah. Uh, Zach and his mom are both peacefully cuddling with the cats while Very they're talking. Very chill cats. Yeah. yeah. So Zach Braff is a cat person, which I'm okay with. I'm both. I'm a cat yes. person and a dog person. So yeah. like but I did not like the way he portrayed dogs in this movie. That's that's the biggest problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I understand. What's the fucking deal, man? I don't know. Not a dog person. Nope. So, okay. We talked a little bit about the general backlash to this movie. Um, And I think that the discussion has been that, like, it's cliched and, and the portrayal of the Manic Pixie Dream Girl and all of that stuff. Um, and the melodrama of it, he's very sincere. He's very, like, over the top. Um, I wanted to mention an article that I thought was 
quite good. And it turns out was written by a writer that I already like. I love when that happens. Um, this is from 2014 and it's by Jesse David Fox who writes for, uh, works for Vulture um, and has a great uh, side note, great podcast called Good One, a podcast about jokes love where he one. interviews comedians about a specific joke of theirs and goes into incredible granular detail. Um, but the article is called In Defense of Zach Braff's Garden State. Um, and I just, I thought he made a really good point as to why, one reason why the backlash was so uh, harsh. Okay. So this was written in 2014 or Yeah, and he says, in 2013, he's referring to the previous year, we hate, or at least love to hate, sad 20-somethings. Have you ever read anything negative about girls? If so, you know what I'm talking about. If not, is this your first time on the internet? Welcome. There are a lot of smart opinions about girls here. Um, He says, the crux of the hating is that youngish people who have grown up vaguely privileged and female shouldn't make art about their problems when there are bigger problems out there. Now, Braff and the character he created are not female, but he's something just as bad, not traditionally masculine. Mm -hmm. Garden State came out in a time of peak male sadness when a band like My Chemical Romance could go platinum (laughs) over the last half decade or so. (laughs) However, culture has turned its back on dudes that just want to feel something. Don Draper, Ron Swanson, and the rise of hunks in TVs and movies, the old Spice Guy, we fetishize men who are quote-unquote men. Um, So... And I could go on. It's like a really good... Well, well, we should link to this. Totally. Um, He says, and it comes from all sides, 30-somethings who look down upon their former wimpy naivete, manly men who never understood why men were, quote-unquote, acting like women in the first place, and effeminate men who respond to this masculinity shift by denying that part of themselves. So I think he makes a good point. Totally. That it's... Yeah, because part of what we hate about this movie is the treatment of Natalie Portman and the Madagascar mm-hmm. Dream Girl of it all. But another part, and you and I have said this, is the earnestness, is yeah. the scene where he puts his hand on his father's chest and says, like, mm-hmm. you know, about, like, wanting to feel something. Like, that, I, watching it was, I, I'm hesitating to use the word cringe, but I was physically, like, cringing a little bit at that. Yeah. And, the most and, sincere and parts are the hardest to watch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And that's our problem. The Manic Pixie yeah. Dream Girl of it all is Zach's problem. And it's like film yeah. in general. It's their problem. But I think the like. It's, is it the, the patriarchy? Like, it's the patriarchy. But like the <laughs> resistance to. is also the patriarchy. To that yeah. sincerity is. That's something we need to deal with. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So I think I just wanted to read that because I think that. Jesse David Fox is often smart about these things. But in this case, he's he's. I like the fact that he points out that it, part of our resistance to it and part of our hatred is like a resistance to a man who is not performing traditional masculinity and is instead being sensitive and sincere and like mm-hmm. so much so that it makes us cringe. Right. Yeah. I And also pretty basic. <laughs> and also that. Yeah. yeah, I think that I think that might be right. I think that's certainly part of it. I don't yeah. know that it's all of it because I think no, there's there's real problems with the movie, yeah. but but I do think that is it is part that's of part it. of it. Yeah, I have one thing I want to share from I listened to it again. I'd already listened to it once, but Zach Braff's interview on uh, with Pete Holmes on "You Made It Weird," mm. and it is it is so fun and lovely it's like two people he's done the podcast twice before so they're already like sort of familiar with each other but they just become like 
best friends over the course of this recording. They're having so much fun. And Zach is like being very open about what it's like to film with like Morgan Freeman. And he's just sharing so much and and also being like, it seems like very introspective and open about his own like just the way he thinks about the world and filmmaking and it's it's very and they're having a very good time they do a lot of um al pacino impressions it's like it's all over the place but it's great yeah Um, well that's that podcast in general exactly yeah and zach braff is just like just like really on board to kind of like play Mm. with pete and it's so fun that's when that one works the best yeah totally yeah but um i listened to it because i was curious to see if he talked about garden state at all this is just from earlier this year um, and they do a little bit, but the only thing that was new information for me, <laughs> for me, was I think the my least favorite scene in the movie still, and I think well, maybe <laughs> it, I think it's a lot of kids. I know the where one this is that going. is the one that's hardest to watch. It's one I literally I couldn't watch it dead on. Yeah. I like I had one hand over one eye, and then my other like my other head. My, my other eye kind of turned to the side, so I was only watching it out of my like not great peripheral vision. Is when Oh God! The wor- hold on. I have. There's so many things happening right now because it's right after she's done one of the stupid. She says like we're not going to make out. I think mm-hmm. they're in her bedroom, yeah, her childhood bedroom, which is the same since she was twelve. And then she's, she's like all fussy and oh, and I, yeah, it. She's like, I can't I'm believe so I did it. It's so oh stupid. God. Oh, I'm such an and idiot. She jumps up and she makes him do the thing where she's like make a sound or do something that no one has ever done, and she does. I hate it so just much. Just this awkward, dumb little dancey thing, and then he does. Because he's not as free as her, his own kind of like tightened up mm. little mm. version of it. I fucking hate it. It seems so contrived and mm-hmm. so unreal. But guess what? Mm-hmm. Guess what? That comes from Zach Braff. That Ugh. comes from real life Zach he's Braff. So That's a cringe. Thing. That's a thing he would do for himself. Yeah. It's a thing he would do. And he wrote it into Natalie Portman's character, which is really interesting to think about like who Zach Braff is picturing himself as in this movie yeah and he has said i mean he's andrew and he wrote natalie portman's character to be who he would want to save him there's a link i think it's the variety or independent article where he talks about that the quote is just to get it in here he says when quote unquote defending this movie in 2023 he says i was just copying diane keaton and annie hall and ruth gordon (laughs) and harold and maude um, those are my two favorite movies growing up, and I was taking those two female protagonists and melding them into Natalie Portman. Of course, I've heard and respect the criticism, but I was a very depressed young man who had this fantasy of a dream girl coming along and saving fr- me from myself. And so I wrote that character. Yeah. Which is so, like, it's very yeah. honest. It's so honest. It's yeah. not even really a defense. It just is what was happening. Yep. Like, which is fascinating. But. But that scene is just just picture Zach Braff on a corner by himself, just making feeling, a noise that no one's making, ever made before. Uh huh. Yikes! Yikes! I yeah, just, we just I think we all just hate how cringe we all are, and yeah, we're taking it out on Zach Braff. I think so. I think that's a big part of this. I also was gonna say um, when I started uh, uh, getting ADHD um, overloaded, there was she does that thing throughout the whole movie that i hate so much of the oh my god remember like you can tell she's like quirky and weird because she talks like this all the time mm-hmm. but then he calls her out on it in that scene where yeah. he tells them all what happened and how his mom ended up in the wheelchair yeah um, which that scene feels very real to me that feels like being the last people up at a party yes when everybody's like been drinking and is starting to sober up like maybe a little bit and it like they're kind of talking quietly like mm-hmm. that that felt very real um and then but 
he tells and everybody gets a little and he like throws it back at her. He's like, oh my God, you're totally freaking out right now. You want to leave blah, yeah. blah, blah. And it's funny because it's like, okay, so you do know that that's not just cute and quirky. <laughs> like, you yeah. know that, but you did write that for her. Like, I just thought mm-hmm. that was a really interesting little um, moment to include in that movie. The other thing that I remember thinking as I was watching this last night was, and this is another thing that's very awkward to realize, but like people and maybe teenagers and young people still do this. I I am fully not in that generation anymore, but like they used to like make out in front of each other. (laughs) Apparently at 26 years old on top of a bulldozer or whatever also. But like party scene was even with the spin the bottle. Like, ooh. First of all, I, ew. But. My hope is that that scene is supposed to, them playing spin the bottle is supposed to imply that these are all too like, young for him. Too young for him. Yeah. And also these are all people who have not really entered into adulthood when they should have maybe. Yes. Like, which is why one of the, re- I mean, the reason these older men are hanging out with these younger women is because they want to sure. have sex with these younger women. But also part of it is that they're immature. Yeah. Emotionally so, stunted. Yeah. I also yeah. think it's interesting that that bottle never once landed on two dudes. There's that scene where the two girls have to kiss and isn't it cute? And they're like, ah! oh, it's so weird. But, exactly. Yeah. But it's yeah. weird that the, isn't, never, that, isn't that interesting? It's so strange. Hmm. Yeah. 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 But like, I don't know how, uh, <laughs> I'm just divulge, I'm trying to figure out how much to divulge here. <laughs> but like, that was a realistic scene in some ways people they, like just making fun making oh, out in front of each other if they were all actually party. high school seniors and or college freshmen like that i would have been saying like oh that that party scene felt pretty real like, yeah yeah exactly and i don't know if that's still a thing and i don't want to know are house parties still a thing they have they to must be. be right but i'm like wondering if the like if this generation again, I really don't want to know, so please don't tell me, um, (laughs) is more repressed in a way than we were in the 90s. I mean, that's the story on the internet That's the story on the internet, yeah. Like, if you're to... That's what they're saying. That's how they say, like, young people are reacting to sex scenes in movies and stuff, and that they're all having less sex in general. And I think some of that is probably true, and some of it is just us being old and not really knowing what young people are doing these days, so... Right, which I'm happy to not at all no but they just ate all that x so what else are they supposed to do another yeah. actor fighting for her life in this movie oh the cop we have to all of the um <laughs> all of the cops in uh in the movies we've watched so far we've got another neighborhood cop a little overly familiar she probably shouldn't be a should cop not have gone grown up to be a cop it's no. the fuck up to cop pipeline exactly it's real uh, but he does the fucking De Niro and shit, which is another one of those lines that just I forgot was in my head. Mm-hmm. It just I think about that a lot and I don't even think about where it comes from. Fucking De Niro and shit. Yeah. Yeah. He feels real. Yes. <laughs> and he pulls the gun out. He's like, oh, they kind of have to listen to me because like, Jesus yeah. Christ. Yep. Yeah. No, that there's that's one of those little notes that's like it feels like it came from reality Mm -hmm. you know i kind of wish i had more to say about this movie but i feel like it hasn't given us well jody we're at hour 39 and i don't know if you know this but we 
hour 40 hour 41 tends to be where we just naturally go um (laughs) that's funny weirdly that just is our where we tend to wrap up but i do want to talk about the soundtrack a little bit oh Um, god yeah and then we can i don't have and then you have to tell us what we're watching next week i don't have a ton to say about the soundtrack because i think it's the most discussed thing about this movie at this point yes it really did usher in a like era of insufferable men listening to indie music and thinking they invented the genre yes um which i know is and that scene of it'll change your life and it's five seconds of one song um yep but it is a fantastic soundtrack it still holds up it's still great i also feel like what i realized while watching it this time was that that soundtrack is doing so much heavy lifting in this movie all of the emotional beats are tied to these songs totally and like i really i mean i know that's a cliche to say that like without this soundtrack the movie isn't the same it's almost like it's almost like the character in the movie yes 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 (laughs) agreed but but i realized that because this movie leans so heavily into so many cliches and is clearly written by a 20 early 20s guy who hasn't had a lot of life experience the soundtrack is adding so much emotional texture Mm -hmm. and so much subtlety that is not in the writing yeah like the subtlety of the music that he chose is so much more uh does so much more for the like tone of the movie than the writing itself well, I had totally forgotten that airport scene. I thought that airport scene was he gives her that terrible speech at the be- at the beginning mm-hmm. of that scene, gets it's on the plane. Ellipsis. It's an ellipsis. And mm-hmm. then I thought what happened was he got off that plane, ran to her and kissed her with Fru-Fru playing over top. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, but it's because that song is so iconic and does the thing. You don't need that speech because you've no. got that song. Also, like that it's song, not a good speech. Right. It's not a good speech. Yeah. All you need is that song because that song is doing everything it's, you need. Yeah. It really, it's so much more like, it is such a cliche to say that about the soundtrack, but also it is doing so much for that movie. Mm-hmm. Well, and like, he knew it because the, yeah. the story is that anybody he sent that script to, it came with that playlist right? Um, because he knew how tied up in the movie that that soundtrack is. That yeah. fucking Iron and Wine cover had us all in a chokehold. Oh, totally. I, just like and I love the Postal Service so much. And I think I do think the original that's one where the original is better. I think there are people who disagree. Um, but. Yeah. It's but it's so necessary. It's like so necessary in this movie. It's hard to think of this movie without it. I just have to read. I have the script. I just have to read that last bit. Oh no. I know I'm so sorry, but I just I because I've been trying to remember what he said and uh-huh. I can't because it's so generic. He says, "Remember that idea I had about growing and working stuff out on my own and then finding <laughs> the, el- when I- the ellipses?" Yeah. The ellipses? Yes. Yeah, the God. ellipses. It's dumb. It's an awful idea, and I'm not going to do it because, like you said, this is it. This is life, and I'm in love with you, Samantha. <laughs> I think that's the only thing I've ever been really sure of in my whole life. I'm really fucked up right now, but I don't want to waste any more of my life without you in it, okay? She says, yeah, because I think I can do this. I know I can. I want to. We have to. Yeah? Yeah. Yes. Tears stream down her face. She smiles her angelic smile. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> He says, yes. You know what she says in that whole scene? 
What are you doing? The ellipses. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> she said, yes, I will. Yes, I will. Yes. It's uh, James Joyce. Um, but th- so that's what that is. That's actually it so much classier. It's actually a literary allusion um, to Ulysses. Oh, boy, that's an argument. There's an argument to make. Oh, boy. There's an argument to make. Nobody make that argument. But oh, boy, are my wheels turning. Yeah. Um, and are you going to write a paper about it? It's <laughs> oh, you're a bully. <laughs> write a paper about this geek. Um, uh, let's write a poem about this geek. It's uh, thirteen going, not thirteen going on. Are you 30. making a movie reference in reference to your li- your literary reference in reference yeah, in to your, your movie uh, reference? Welcome to the Watchers. Andrea. Welcome to my brain. Yeah. Um, it's a never been kissed reference. <laughs> write a poem about this geek. Anyway. Oh my god. Um, but it's. You don't need any of that. Run off the plane, kiss the girl, let Fru-Fru do it. It's weird. It's weird. And I think that the reason I blocked it out is because the soundtrack is so effective and does that for you and then hides the flaw of using that speech at all. Yeah, exactly. Fascinating. Yeah. Would love to see this movie cut to a different soundtrack. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. I can't imagine it. It's just so they're so tied together that it's just impossible for me. Just like cut to like lifetime. It's like Turnpike Gates is playing over over their kiss. That would be oh my god. That would be amazing. Um, just all Jersey bands. Um, uh, yeah. well, not as bad and also not as good as I remember. Yeah, somehow better and worse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do yeah. think in general though we've like we can let garden state rest i think so i think think, we can be done i don't think we need to it's it's like going back to your college journals when you were Mm -hmm. writing about the first person that you fell in love with and like just beating yourself up for being young and stupid yeah also something i didn't know that I, I read about a bunch in these articles that if you look at what we link, you'll see too, is that his next movie he crowdfunded mm-hmm. and people hated him for that. I know. Like, and yet he funded it in three days. Yeah. Like it worked. And it's because he's a rich actor, but it's like actors, it's not like other actors spend their, I, I mean, in some cases, sure, but in general, actors yeah. aren't. Don't fund their own movies. They don't fund their own movies. It's not. Yeah. And if people like I don't think like people treat crowdfunding like it's like if somebody who already has money does it, that it's a crime. And I just think like then don't donate. Who gives a shit? Right. Like he's not saying. I remember that backlash happening at the time. It's it's not like he said, I'm going to lose my house if you don't crowdfund my movie. It's like if you want to contribute to make this, then do it. And if not, don't. Who gives a shit? Yeah. And I hate money. Like I am one of the most like I like I it makes my skin crawl in so many ways, but I don't yeah. care if somebody wants to ask people to like, he was, it, it'd be different if he were dishonest about it. So yeah, I just, I just don't think crowdfunding is the issue that we're. Yeah. I mean, if he act- couldn't find a studio to make the movie he wanted to make, like he wrote it, he wanted to direct it, I guess he wanted to be in it because that's kind of his Cause, thing. Uh-huh. Cause it's again, another movie about an actor that is struggling. Um, yeah. And people, you know, don't have to donate. 
Yeah, I, I just don't think it's a big deal, but apparently it was another thing that people have yeah. held against Zach Braff. I don't know. I also just want to use this opportunity at the end of our podcast here to encourage any of our listeners who know Jeremy Jasper to oh, yeah. get in touch. Get in touch. We're, we still want to talk to him. Where's Zach Braff? <laughs> yeah, although I think that's less likely. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, but, uh, yeah. but yeah, we'd love to talk with Jeremy about patty cakes in New Jersey. Yes. And Speaking of New Jersey passes. Totally. Yes. That... I just want to talk to him about Route 46 for... 45 minutes to an hour and then i um probably would also ask one or two movies about movies about the question yeah questions about the movie but who knows um so we need to what um the wga uh strike is tentatively or maybe at this point officially it's over 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 it's over and i actually on one of my various social media doom scrolling uh things saw an article that said a, it listed a couple of shows that were already back in the writer's room and guess what one of them was <gasps> it was yellow jackets hell yeah they're already oh, that's starting so exciting they're doing so, it so that's great we've got one more union i'm sure across the country we've got a billion unions that aren't in entertainment that that you should yeah. also be supporting whatever but in yes. this case um, related to yellow jackets we need the sag after yeah uh, strike to end also and it's a good sign that WGA has. So hopefully SAG will yes. um, follow suit. Yep. And support your local unions, people, because it worked. Huh. Yeah. They got yeah. they got some really good um, and really important concessions. The, um, the all of the stuff I was reading about AI um, is pretty aggressive in a good way. Um, I was really yep. just and- from an outsider's perspective, who's ner- who's most nervous about that, um, was really yeah. happy to see. And oh, script fees that. and minimum staffing and all of that stuff. Like, all the things people were like, you're asking for too much. Streaming residuals. Yes, they like, got what they asked for, mostly. Yeah. Like, I, I'm so I'm so happy. Right, for... because what they were asking for was, was really re- reasonable, was reasonable, actually. Yeah. I'm so. so happy that it ended the way that it did. And they got mm-hmm. the concessions that they were looking for, for the most part. Um, so, yeah, hopefully the after strike will end soon. And we can get, get our... our our buddies so exciting in, uh, to know that they're writing yellow jackets back because i yeah. mean that's the first step because we can have oh, actors able yeah. to work but if they don't have stuff to do so yeah. i'm very very very, very excited very excited yeah that was a that was a happy happy news item this week mm-hmm. um so i wonder if that means we'll get our cabin daddy episode at some point soon because they can start oh good talking point. about the show again i mean not well yeah no, that's a good point. To a degree, anyway. That would be fun. It would be a nice little celebration. Yeah. little treat. little treat for the fans. All right. And just remember, the second that episode airs the next week, that's oh, what we're, we're talking about. Yeah. We're talking about it. Okay. So it sounds like, based on our, our little off-mic convo, our little, our little uh, sidebar. Yeah. I think we've developed, we've decided on our sort of like theme for october yes which isn't horror movies necessarily but it's thematically appropriate for the month of october movies i think that's yeah that's a good way to frame it yep yep so has excited we've got a good run i'm really excited i know um so just a little peek behind the curtain uh i am currently out of town at an artist residency um and i met a writer here who i had a lovely conversation with about our podcast and he said to me have you done the craft yet and i said no 
And so, Patrick, if you are listening, which I'm sure you're not, but if you are, hi. <laughs> it was nice to meet you. You're a great writer. And Patrick, um, I didn't meet you, but thank you so much for suggesting this. Yeah. I'm actually amazing queer writer that we should shout out because I loved listening to him read. His name is Patrick, uh, Patrick Dundon, D-U-N-D-O-N. Great queer writer. Um, did a lovely reading at the residency that I'm at and made me want to read everything he's ever written. Um, <laughs> but asked the pivotal question, have you done the craft yet? So we're doing the craft. Hell yeah. Oh, I'm so excited. We're, it is, as we're recording this, it's October today. Yeah. Shit, I got to pay my rent. Um, <laughs> I got to pay my studio rent. Uh, so yeah, we're, we're jumping into it's October with the craft. my favorite month. I'm so excited. I, it's my birthday month. We're, that's why it's my favorite month. Yeah, we're, I figured. We are entering the part of the year where I start to feel like a human being who lives in a world that was built for her to exist in. I'm so excited. Goodbye summer. Hello fall. Hello all of my favorite movies. Um, oh, where do we find the craft? Is it easily accessible? Oh, yeah. It's $3.99 on a various platforms. Perfect. And also for free on Hulu. Oh. If you have Hulu, which I have. Yep. Cool. Um, and, uh, you know, if you've never seen the craft, there's plenty of 90s disclaimers. Um, oh, yeah. Always. So just be prepared for... There's some overt racism. Hmm. Um, there's some self-harm stuff. There, I mean, it's... It's a very white lady 90s movie. It's extremely, yeah, white yeah. ladies 90s movies. And of course, anything... It's been a long time since either of us have seen this movie. But I'll put any, like, really um, necessary content warnings in the show notes when the episode goes up. So have a look at those before you listen if you're not familiar with it. It's yeah. also a little spooky. <laughs> it is a little spooky. <laughs> oh, it's so good. Oh, I'm so, my... so excited. <laughs> I'm glad that you were uh you were in for it. Hell yeah. Or up for it or I'm in yeah. for it and I'm up for and it. And up for it. I'm down nice. for it. <laughs> wow, it only has fifty seven percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Is that it, is this gonna be an Empire Records scenario? No, where... because I think that's a sexism thing. Okay. Also, <laughs> recently an article came out that talked about the scam that is Rotten Tomatoes. So, Ooh, good to know. Yeah, apparently there's a lot of uh, sort of like selective reviewing going on. Interesting. And people like encouraging certain people to review certain movies before they've come out so that they, because they know they'll get a favorable review and it will push the nar the narrative about that movie. And... Oh, you know what? There was just something, one of the podcasts I work on, Brain Candy, we're just talking about something similar with just like reviews in general, like Amazon mm -hmm. reviews, which we know are a scam. Um, mm -hmm. But just that like basically just ignore online ratings if you can. Yeah. <laughs> so that, yeah. that sounds I think that's like, fair. yeah, just listen to us. And we say the craft is good, I think. Yeah. So we think I haven't seen it in 10 years at least. <laughs> oh, but... I'm so excited. I'm going to go watch it right now. <laughs> no, I'm not. I have my other You're job. definitely not. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not either. Uh, I'm going to go do some work, but, but I can't wait um, to, yeah, going to watch the craft. Um, so where can they find us, Andrea? Oh, they can find us at WatchersPodNJ on Instagram, WatchersPodNJ at Gmail. If you want to send us an email about anything, uh, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you can leave reviews. So I think that's really the only one. 
Mm-hmm. Um, oh, if you happen to listen to us on Google Podcasts, apparently that's going away. I'm sure you've heard that already, though. So um, you might want to find another podcast app. People really like Pocket <laughs> Casts. I'm an Apple yeah. girly, so I use just the regular I use Apple something podcasts. called Downcast. Yeah. Uh, oh, I've never, some... never heard of that one. Yeah, I don't know. It was one that I, somebody recommended to me like decade, like a decade ago or something. I've been using it ever since. It's fine. Interesting. <laughs> it's fine. Um, um, but yeah, so leaving us a review really helps. Yeah. Um, also, if you follow our Instagram, Andrea posts really um, amusing reels this week. You, you can see me sort of... <laughs> That one, like yeah. a fucking lunatic pointing at a photograph behind me about the, talking about the Saddlebrook Mall. Less of my art in this reel than usual, but more of yours, I'll say. So, oh, I meant that as a joke because you, it's a performance piece, but also it's literally your photography. My photograph it, in the so background. Your little art. Yeah. And if uh, listeners want to see more of your art, where might they find it? Oh, my goodness. How's they can that? they can That's... follow my Instagram. Nicely done. Thank at uh, Jody Mim on Instagram. J-O-D-I-E underscore M-I-M. Mm-hmm uh yeah i currently have been posting um lots of photographs that i took in the mid 90s and early 2000s so and just the right vibe i always talk about how much i love your um fiber art but you're also a really incredible photographer and it's actually how we really first got to know you through new jersey is the world yeah the Um, overbrook photos yeah so yeah you're yeah that was uh yeah they, an early episode of new jersey's the world called the bin where they talked about um overbrook which was a psych hospital in disrepair that lots of people broke into and graffitied all over in the 90s that i went to when i was in undergrad and took a bunch of photos and They're sent them fantastic. in my first contribution was also a series of photos but just ones that i snapped with my phone and weren't nearly as artful um but were of the <laughs> Clementon Park, which had been, which has since right. been reopened, but was was abandoned at the time. Um, we love our abandoned shit. We really do here in New Jersey. Here yeah. in New Jersey, neither of us are New Jersey. Neither right of now, us but, are currently. But New we're Jersey. always in New Jersey. Yeah, you know. So when yeah. I say here, it's like you know that that idea that you eventually outgrow your idea of home and you can't go back to it is not true <laughs> if you keep New Jersey in your heart. New Jersey is the world. <laughs> just a thought I just had right now. Jeremy Jasper, come on our podcast. <laughs> That's our new sign-off is just Jeremy Jasper. Come on our come podcast. On our podcast. Yes. We'll see you that. next week. See you next Jeremy week. Jeremy Jasper, come on our podcast. <laughs>